0: The LGBT community is calling for immediate public inquiry into uh, missing persons. You know, uh, the chief of police said earlier on, uh, you know, as recently as December, listen, there's no serial killer in the village. Uh, They found that to be untrue. uh, And allegedly there was. It's uh, allegedly Bruce MacArthur. He's been charged with six counts uh, of first degree murder, I believe. And now... um, John Tory, our mayor, is saying that he would like an independent external review of how the Toronto Police Services um, deal with missing persons. This is after Chief Saunders admitted, oops, we, we did something wrong. Perhaps there was this was mishandled. Maybe we should look into how we handle missing persons cases. That's going to be an internal investigation. Uh, the mayor wants an external investigation. And the community... Who you know? Every time we have the police on, they say, "Oh yeah, you know the relationship between the LGBT community and the police uh, it's it's uh it's going well. It's going swimmingly now. We're moving we're moving forward." The LGBT community is saying, "No, this isn't enough." They're asking the province's attorney general to open immediate uh, public inquiry into how the Toronto police handle the and handled the disappearances of numerous men from the gay village. And uh, that falls on Attorney General Yasser Nakvi's shoulders. And he said, oh, I'm willing to call a private inquiry, but he wants to wait until after the criminal case against serial killer Bruce MacArthur has concluded. You just imagine if this is your community. So this is your neighborhood. There are people going missing in your neighborhood. And you've been saying this is weird. And the police came in and came in and investigated and found nothing to support that. Yet, you know, someone went missing that has their puppy at home. And they just were so excited about that puppy, they would just never just leave town like that. And you're saying, no, this this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem right. And uh, then you find out, well, there was something nefarious going on after all. And uh, the police are now investigating it. And with all of the information that they have um, so far discovered um, with regard to this criminal case, it could take years, years and years and years For this man, or this, you know, whoever it was in this scenario, to be brought to justice, would you be okay with that? Because that's what we're talking about. Uh, We're joined now by Doug Elliott, who's a lawyer with Cambridge LLP. He's an LGBT activist, and I also am proud to call him a friend of the show. Doug, you were directly involved with this because you were at uh, the Five One Nine Community Center at Church and Wellesley today, um, saying that you are in support of. the 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 uh, immediate public in- inquiry
1: absolutely um there is no legal impediment to yasern naxi appointing a commissioner of inquiry right now the supreme court of canada has made that perfectly clear in both the west tray and the crevier inquiry cases and i don't think it would be a mistake to wait uh, as they did in British Columbia in the Picton case for all of the criminal proceedings to be finished because that could be 10 or more years from now.
0: Okay, and what is the risk of actually waiting, delaying a public inquiry? Because you brought up the Picton case. Uh, what is the risk if they wait?
1: Well, the problem is that you could lose witnesses. I mean, there's a number of people who were were um, involved in this situation, um, they're all middle-aged men the oldest was fifty nine uh, if you wait ten years from now the people who knew that man may not be around and available to give evidence there's a risk that documents could be lost there's a risk that um, other kinds of evidence could be lost that's what the family said to commissioner opal in the picton inquiry that they had lost evidence while they were waiting ten years to have the have the case heard um, the other risks of course are that uh... Uh, you know you we if there's another serial killer at work out there um, we're not going to fix the the holes in the system that this serial killer took advantage of. I mean, that's one of the problems here that the Picton Inquiry itself didn't report until 2012. Um, and so it came out just as Project Houston was was getting underway. So whatever they learned from the Picton case, I think it was uh, too late to help uh, Project Houston. And, you know, we, we this back in the Bernardo Inquiry 20 years ago, Uh, Justice Campbell said that we've got to get smarter than these serial killers. We have to improve the way policing works because the serial killers themselves, these predators, they are very smart people. And they know the weaknesses in uh, how our police are organized and their investigative techniques. They know if they dispose of a body that it's going to be a missing person, not a homicide. Uh, You know, we've got to get smarter than them because otherwise this is going to happen again and again.
0: Okay, so this is about uh, being able to learn from the mistakes. And and you're basically saying, "If, if this inquiry doesn't happen soon, we have learned nothing.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there could be another serial killer on the loose right now. And th- nothing is going to be gained. And
0: you're speaking broadly, right, Doug? When you yes, say that, broadly. you're not talking about in the village.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. it could be. It could be another group. You know, they they they, they tend to go after vulnerable people who are not going to be missed. So the next serial killer, there could be one operating in Thunder Bay right now. All these people who were who went into the river in Thunder Bay, that could be a serial killer. We don't know.
0: Well, the what's happening is- with the Aboriginal women in, in the country, I mean.
1: Exactly. So the point is that if you look at these previous inquiries, the Bernardo Inquiry and the Picton Inquiry, they identified weaknesses in the way our police operate. They They identified uh, problems with the way police are orga- organized, the types of information systems they use, I mean Chief Saunders has already admitted that they need to beef up the way they handle missing persons in the city of Toronto, so we need to we need to have top notch police response to these things because even though they 're rare, unfortunately they are deadly and mm-hmm. they are a recurring phenomenon in our society, and we we can 't live in a kind of Um, dream world, where we think this kind of stuff only happens on TV. It doesn't. It happens in real life. And we've got to get out ahead of the curve on these people instead of always playing catch-up and having the police make the same mistakes again and again, and people die. Doug, I
0: I want to play for you some audio from the police service meeting. Uh, This is the uh, chief here. I support the motion brought forward by Mayor Tory. I believe the public interest and the best interest of the Toronto Police Service will be well served by an independent external review to report publicly on issues related to missing persons. For Toronto's LGBTQ community, this has been a very difficult time and I know that many are very upset and many are still grieving and they have many questions about what happened and what could have been done differently. I take these questions seriously and I hope that my actions demonstrate that conviction. Doug, is there a difference between an external external review that Mayor Tory wants, and now Chief Saunders is saying he supports, and an inquiry? And if so, what would they be?
1: Yes, they are different. And let me be very clear. I, I support uh, Mayor Tory's motion at the Police Services Board today. I think it's something that can be done promptly, and it's a good start. Um, but a public inquiry is much broader. It is Uh, a very powerful investigative tool. Mayor Tory doesn't have the power to create one. Only the Attorney General, Government of Ontario, can create a public inquiry like the Elliot Lake inquiry that I was involved in. Um, That investigator, uh, that investigator has extremely powerful Uh, tools at his or her disposal to subpoena records to compel testimony from witnesses to do everything that is within the mandate that would be created by the cabinet for that commissioner. It is an extremely powerful, think of Robert Mueller and Mm -hmm. the powers that he has as special counsel. It's not that different. So it is a much more powerful, intrusive tool. They can go beyond the Toronto Police Services. I think there's some important questions here uh, quite apart from the police about for example the way these dating apps work and this the the risk to public safety that they present and whether they ought to be regulated and whether there ought to be um things done to make sure that uh, people's lives aren't going to be at risk. I understand, for example, that perhaps the police may have run into some difficulties getting the information they needed because a lot of these dating apps are based in the United States. Well, you know, if that's the truth, then that's not something that the police can fix through an external review. That's something that is going to take legislation.
0: Is there a reason why they would drag their feet? I mean, you know, perhaps I'm a bit cynical, but I think, you know, if it is true, the longer they wait, the less information they gather, uh, the less egg they might have on their faces.
1: For sure. I mean, the, the reality is by the time the uh, Picton Inquiry report came out in 2012, Um, who remembered who the police chief was in Vancouver at the time or who the police officers were that bungled the Pinkton investigation and, you know, treated those Aboriginal women from the downtown east side, as the Commissioner Opal said, as throwaway people. It was all forgotten. And, um, I think that it's very important that we understand exactly what went wrong. And, you know, I think the only thing that, if this is really about saving faith, Mm-hmm. That's a, a really bad reason, a really bad reason for delaying an inquiry. I think, though, what I have heard from people is there's a concern that this might legally not be permitted, which is absolutely untrue, that is, the Supreme Court made that very clear in the Cleaver Inquiry case. You can have a police investigation going on at the same time as you have a public inquiry. It can be done. So then the question is, if it can be done, why shouldn't it be done now? And I can't think of a single good reason. You know, they, they, it's, anything that happens at a public inquiry is not going to affect the ongoing criminal investigation. God bless them. I wish them the best of luck in pursuing that investigation. It's nasty, horrible work, and it, but it has to be done. But we're talking about looking at what happened up to the time the arrest was made. Like, should they have learned sooner? Um, you know, there was a surveillance going on on this guy on January the 18th. When did it start? Why didn't it start sooner than when it did start? Why was Chief Saunders telling us in December that uh, there was nothing to worry about when in January there's a guy who's arrested who was under surveillance? I mean, my community wants some answers to these questions.
0: What is the relationship like between the LGBT community now and the Toronto Police?
1: Lousy, (laughs) that word. I mean, uh, as you know, Kelly, from the discussions we've had about the ban on police at Pride, I was opposed to the ban on police at Pride. I thought that was a, uh, a an arbitrary and unfair decision. I am not one of those people who attacks the police at every opportunity. My father served on the Toronto Police many years ago, but. I've got to say that communications around this with the LGBT community have been very poorly handled by the chief in particular. And the uh, the investigation seems to have been um, handled uh, not as well as it should have been. And, you know, I can understand the community's anger when you hear, you know, Detective Aizenga saying, well, we didn't have the resources uh, to pursue the investigation in Project Houston, and yet they found all kinds of police officers to go and arrest a bunch of gay men in a park in Etobicoke. We, We just have to wonder where their priorities lie.
0: Well, Doug, uh, this is uh, I don't think this is going to end for you anytime soon as far as, uh, you know, obviously the storyline being part of the, you know, the community. It's, it's a devastating story. And uh, I'm yeah, so sorry for your loss. Work. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but it, it looks like you got some fighting on your hands. And I know you're the man to do it. I really appreciate your time on the show as always.
1: OK, thanks a lot for your interest, Kelly.
0: Thanks, Doug. That's Bye-bye. Doug Elliott, who's a lawyer with uh, Cambridge LLP and LGBT activist.